Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I am your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter and founder of The Copyworks. In this podcast, I interview marketing and copywriting experts on all facets of, well, marketing and copy, with an emphasis on the link between the two, with a focus on creating higher conversions in your B2B business. I also include recordings from the other side of the table where I'm interviewed by the host of other podcasts and short clips of tips from yours truly on copywriting. In short, you'll find something for everyone in the marketing and copywriting B2B world. Let's dig in. Okay, so today's guest is Janelle Amos, and Janelle is a former in-house head of Demand Gen, who took her experience from several startups to pursue her own aspirations of becoming a business owner. She's now founder of Elevate Growth. It's a demand generation consulting firm. Janelle is passionate about helping B2B SaaS companies create go-to-market strategies that catapult their demand gen efforts and achieve their revenue numbers. Let's jump right in. Okay, so I'm so excited to have as my special guest today, Janelle Amos, who is a demand generation, demand gen consultant. Welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. So thank you I so wanted, much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So I wanted to start off by asking you how you even started this business. So what is the backstory? Yeah, actually, um, I was in-house for my entire career, and I was at one of my former jobs as director of demand gen, and within the first 30 days that I was there, a question arose on something that I felt was kind of a morally or ethically non-appropriate question, and they gave me an additional 30 days to decide, and I went back and forth on do I trust my gut? Uh, do I keep my job? And honestly, it was like the hardest decision of my entire life. No joke. And I've sourced individuals, my family, my friends, my professional network, everybody who knew me like in different ways. And I gave them the scenario at a high level. And I said, what would you do if you were faced? People were totally on the fence. And my professional network said, listen, the job market is hot for demand gen people. Like there's absolutely no doubt that you could do it on your own if you wanted to. Don't let anybody force you into a decision that you don't feel comfortable making. And that really resonated with me. And I have a young daughter, you know, just thinking about the example that I wanted to set for her, you know, as a mom, as having quality work ethic, telling her to go after her dreams. Like how could I tell her to be all those things and do all those things if I wasn't going to do it myself. And so having that push behind me, having the motivation of being a mom really gave me like the fire behind my shoes that I needed to step out on the leap of faith. I decided that I wasn't okay with making that decision and therefore resigned. And in two weeks um, of that 30 day period, I created an LLC. I landed my first client. I replaced my next month's salary and I've been rogue for at least a quarter now. Um, and so far, I've never looked back. But <laughs> that's awesome. How long were you at that job? Was that uh, it was a total of 60 days because it was the initial 30 days and then the 30 days that they gave me to decide. 
Oh, so as soon as you started, basically, they presented you with something you were just not comfortable with. And it's like, yeah, it came as such a surprise. So it was unfortunate, right? But we were both very strong in our own opinions for that. So we were trying to find a middle ground, and it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that point, it was like, we, we tried, right? Both parties weren't at fault. We both wanted the same things. But we just couldn't find a way to come together equally. And so it's like, you know what? I'll take this as, you know, my leap of faith to branch out and go in a different direction. We've wished each other well and, you know, no hard feelings. I always think those things work out for the best. Even when something looks like it's not, you know, it's not a good thing. It usually ends up being better in the long run. In fact, it always does. It's just, yeah. sometimes it, yeah, initially it doesn't sound so great. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I'm kind of on the fringes as a conversion copywriter. I'm like on the fringes of marketing. And so some of the terms that I see on LinkedIn all the time are ones that um, like I have my Google page open and I'm like Googling stuff and the acronyms I don't get. And so I wanted to know more about demand gen because I'm just, to me, it seems like such an abstract thing and everyone's always talking about it. So maybe you can start by defining it. And what's the difference between lead gen and demand gen? That's actually probably one of my favorite questions. So demand gen at a high level is about really taking a different approach to market. A lot of traditional B2B companies are running the same playbook of wanting to just do the lead gen output. They're wanting to just find contact names that they can put into a database and kind of throw over the fence to sales with no impact, no measurement, no visibility into how that's coming into an opportunity, much less sourced revenue, right? They do that by gating content. They do that by cold outreaches. They do that by putting people into gated forms that are just everything about the company. And they totally disregard the fact they're actually talking to human beings. And so the difference that I outlined for demand generation is saying that, hey, you know, we're not trying to do this for us. We're trying to do this for them. So the way that I define demand generation is saying that we're taking a different approach to market by enabling our consumers with the opportunity to educate on their own, to come to us on their own, and to ultimately decide if they want to buy with us or not. We do that by ungating our content. We do that by educating the market with conversion copywriters like yourself, by positioning in a way that's all things consumer. We're flipping the script, we're flipping the playbook, and we're making sure that anything that we put out in market, anything that we're doing on our website for our forms, for our content, is with the lens of what do we want our consumer to get out of this? What's the takeaway from it instead of what benefits us from this in terms of like a lead gen output? So it sounds like lead gen is more about getting the numbers, like, oh, you know, kind of bragging rights, like uh, what they call vanity, vanity metric sort of thing. And it seems like there's a lot of resistance. Like I see that on LinkedIn all over the place. And yeah. why is it? Is it because it takes a long time? Like what's the biggest objection to predictability and right. justification are the ones that I've identified are the biggest ones. Predictability because numbers make sense, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking to CFOs, if you're talking to CEOs, they want to have a predictable pipeline that they can then like take numbers and like work backwards and say, if we want to get to this opportunity value, we need to have this many SQLs, we need to have this many MQLs, we need to have this many leads. And based on our conversion rates, like this is going to get us to our goal. And that's great, but people aren't a conversion. They're not a metric. They're not like, you know, so having an understanding that 
we can, there's a better way to go about this, right? Like you don't have to force somebody into a specific funnel at a specific point at a specific, you know, journey, because the way that modern B2B people, the way that I describe them as modern B2B personas, they don't buy like that anymore. Or I don't know if they really ever did. (laughs) Yeah. But demand gen is understanding that it's not that one-to-one transaction and forcing people into a funnel. It's more so of taking that, you know, step back and saying, it's not as predictable, but the long-term initiative is the business value and the business outcome. And we're looking at that revenue growth instead of the specific lead. So how long does it take, like on average for somebody, for say you're working with a company that's kind of resistant and they're not convinced. Do you tell them, well, within X amount of time, you'll see, you know, why this and how this works? Or do, is it too unpredictable? It's not too unpredictable. There's a, a specific way that I go about it uh, to kind of justify the breadcrumbs throughout. But my recommendation is to look at how long that sales cycle actually is. A lot of B2B companies, their sales cycle is like six to nine months. And so really having a measurement anywhere before that is just unfair for marketing as a whole, much less for a demand gen initiative. So my recommendation is to at least wait a year. And then throughout that process of transitioning, I show up with these type of metrics that are like, if we're changing the MQL definition from just like a content download to now we're wanting to do a get a demo where those specific hand raisers, what I call a high intent MQL, we show the conversion percentage between both of those to an opportunity. And then we're showing the convergence percentage between that opportunity closing. And as you start seeing the gap of those that are actually high intent MQLs are hitting pipeline faster, they're closing quicker, and the opportunity value, the money that's associated to them is likely higher. You establish those breadcrumbs throughout. And at the end of the year, when you give that full picture, that's when you start saying, here's all the things that led up to it. And here's how we catapulted one's revenue in that direction. But you have to have a justification throughout. You have to show those little metrics on how we win. Because if somebody's not fully bought in, it's very difficult to just say, trust me for a whole year <laughs> as I spend millions of dollars, you know? So I found exactly. the specific breadcrumbs that are needed to kind of justify that throughout. So when you talk about, if you could define like what what actually is a pipeline? Is it the same as a funnel? Is it just a different name or is it something different? It honestly varies by company. So there, you have like your traditional funnel, right? You have like the awareness, consideration, decision, and then you can also add like the customer uh, engagement part of that. So pipeline is having somewhere between the consideration and decision and customer section. It varies by company depending on how they identify it. Pipeline for me is that it's an open opportunity that's valuable for a sales rep's time. So if somebody is a high intent MQL, they submit that they want to get a demo call, it matches the ICP, you get an account executive on the call, they do that brief, hey, on ad hoc demo, they're talking through everything that makes sense. And then they're like, I want to move forward with this. For me, that's an opportunity. That's when you can identify what products they're interested in, you know, what the budget is that they're looking to spend, you know, the timeline that they're looking for. And that's what you can use for like an opportunity value. For me, that's when it hits pipeline, when it actually matters. All the conversations beforehand is leading up to generating that type of pipe. Because I think I've heard it defined. Like pipeline is always about revenue. Is that correct? Like that's Yes, because it's tied to the opportunity for sure. Okay. So why should companies want to do uh, demand gen? over lead gen? I mean, you did kind of get into it, but what are you, what's your biggest argument for it? You have, they have to really want it 
first and foremost. And if they want to see the change of revenue projection growth for their business, that's when demand gen comes into play. If a company isn't seeing like the revenue growth projections, like the compound annual growth rate that they're striving for as a business outcome, if that rate is going slower than what they're wanting, that's a great justification for demand gen. Demand gen takes a little bit to kind of gear up, but once you get that momentum going, I mean, the projection, the growth rate projection is so much stronger than just the traditional like lead gen model. You're just kind of doing breadcrumbs, whereas demand gen, you're doing the snowball. If they're ready to have that conversation for a mindset change, then having the association with this comes to direct business growth. If you're interested in business growth at this rate, that's why demand gen is better. Okay. So how do people, I mean, do people find you or do you seek out? Like, how did you get like the clients that you have? Did they find you? Mixture of both. Um, the initial one that I first landed to could replace my salary was a referral from somebody that I trust is kind of my mentor right now. And it was an awesome referral. The other one found me on LinkedIn, reached out, hey, I want to get to know you a little bit more. The other one was another referral, actually. So I have two referrals and then one that was kind of just cold outreach on LinkedIn. Because it seems like there's almost an education involved. Absolutely. People, yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, I read through LinkedIn, and I see all, all the information and posts about demand gen and, and related topics. And it's like, I know I'm not a full on marketer, but I feel like there's got to be other people who don't really get these same things that I'm not getting. Because yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why I have you on for selfish reasons, because I want to understand this better myself too. Well, then I can tell other people too, you know, and if yeah. I don't get it, then how can I talk about it, right? Um, well, how do you, um, how does conversion copywriting fit into demand gen? Yeah, so if we talk about, you know, not doing everything for the company, we're doing it for our consumers. Having a copywriter that understands a consumer is important. And then also being a little bit selfish and finding ways to entice them, to push them through engaging with more content, to push them through to asking the qualifying questions, right, that they would need in order to better understand the product. That's when conversion copy comes into place. You have a piece of content that's written specifically to educate an individual, but then also to entice them to want to learn more. Not necessarily say I need to convert you right now as like a legion, right? Like output one to one. It's conversion copy in terms of understanding the way that an individual thinks and pushing them to what's needed in order to really get that interest to where they would be a high intent MQL. But I'll actually push that back to you. You know, what is conversion copywriting specifically, and how have you partnered with B two B SaaS companies? to match that demand gen? Like, am I right on the money when I say that yeah. we're using it for the audience growth? Cause that's like my goal. Right. And that's the way that I like to position it, but you know, you're the expert yeah. in that field. So the thing that you hit the, where you hit the nail on the head really is about getting to know the customer. And that's something where I find a lot of companies drop the ball is like not, not really doing that deep dive research into what they're fit because, you know, B2B is seen as like, um, it's not always seen as a person. It's like, okay, I'm just marketing to a company, but it's always about a person. So finding out what is important to them on even, you know, social level and personal level, as well as, you know, business, and then weaving that into the copy so that they're, they see themselves in it. And that's the whole idea is that you want people reading copy saying, wow, that's exactly yes. what I'm going through. And so I need to find out more about this. So then they they go along with, you know, your your process. So it makes total sense. Well, how do you measure the? So you said that it's sort of, you didn't say it was hard to measure, but it sounded like it might be. So 
it, it still kind of seems abstract to me. So will you measure along the way, you said? So how does that look? Like Demand gen is very much abstract. So don't feel like you're out of the loop at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way that it is because it's a mixture of all things coming together for one outcome. But the way that we would measure specifically like a content engagement piece is understanding like how long are they on the site for? Is it a piece of content that we can track where the user is interested in? How long are they actually consuming that content? How many pages did they visit within that one site, right? How many times have they come back to the website to want to learn more? And that's what we can try and better understand if the content, if the messaging that we're doing is actually working in terms of getting people to interact with us even further. Are there particular tools, like say somebody, like I was going to say they want to do it themselves, but I I would imagine it's really hard. Do you run into that where people are like, "Uh, we're doing this already and you know they're not? Because I hear that with copy. (laughs) Yes. We we have it. (laughs) I mean, do you, can you turn that around or can you, how do you react to people that say that or do you just not deal with it? I just ask qualifying (laughs) questions. You know, just clarification questions and better understand when they say they are doing something, I want to know how. And if they can't speak to the how, then that's when I have a clear understanding that they probably either don't know what they're doing or they are actually not doing that. They can clearly articulate exactly how they're doing it, why they're doing it. Then I'm like, okay, cool. Like that makes sense. (laughs) Okay. I mean, is it something that a lot of companies are currently doing or trying to do themselves? What specifically? um, Just demand gen. Like with it's like with copy, like people say, oh, you know, we have a copywriter on staff, but I know it's not a conversion copywriter that they have. So if they say, you know, we don't need that because we have, you know, we have it in place. I guess I'm, I'm trying to think like, how do you educate them? Or I was going to say convince, but when people really don't think they need your product or service, they're not going to easily be convinced. But is there a way to turn them around? Like, So you ask them these questions and are they open to listening to you saying there's more to it than that or... Normally, there has to be a change of mindset in order for demand gen, any conversation around demand gen to even make sense. If somebody is not bought into demand gen, like personally, I'm not going to waste my time because I, I could talk to you about why you know you should and how you can and why this is important and what should we get out of it. But at the end of the day, if they're still not convinced or if they're happy with the model that they're running, there's really no like buy-in behind that. And that's just going to be an extra point of frustration on my end. If we were to partner together of all these things I would want to do or that I'm trying to do and constantly be told no, or, you know, to measure the output and this and that, like, it's just, it's not a healthy partnership in that way. Normally when somebody says they're doing demand gen, they're at least trying. And so that opens the, the point of conversation where we can look at what you are trying, if it's successful, right? How we can continue that growth model. But if somebody understands the difference between legion and demand gen, traditionally, if they're on the right path, if they're just doing legion, then that's a very, very hard sell to convince somebody otherwise. If they're doing legion and they're open and they want to do demand gen, I'm happy to come in. You know, here's how we can help and here are the changes that we needed. But they have to have that I'm ready for a change mindset or else it's just beating up against yeah, the always. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is kind of a big question, but can you give me like a bird's eye view of say somebody says, okay, I understand and I see the value in demand gen. 
what is your process? Do you have like uh, what assist? I imagine you have a system that you do. Like, how do you how do you work with somebody? I guess is my question. Yeah. So normally, I ask to just get access to the platforms that they're using, whether it's Salesforce, Marketo, HubSpot, whatever marketing tool that they're using. And then I go in and I do an analysis of the customers that they've landed within the last like quarter to maybe a month, depending on how many opportunities they've actually worked. And then I pull that kind of ICP report, the ideal customer profile. And I say, based on, you know, who you've closed recently, this is who you say that your ICP is. I match that to either who they told me to and what their ICP is, or I say, this doesn't match. And then I have the conversation of who are you actually trying to go after? And then we align on who we're going after. Then that's when I bring in somebody like yourself and say, what's the messaging that aligns to these key personas? Who are the decision makers? Who are the influencers? How can we put together a plan of action that educates them? And essentially, I model that ICP to a go-to-market strategy for the immediate quick win. And I understand building that uh, first is going to be the best way to kind of show my value. And then we start looking at the better ways to expand that throughout a couple other different channels. So at a high level, I start by just modeling their the ICPs and I put that to market first. It doesn't matter if they're starting with, like if they have a lot of leads, do you do anything with that or do you just, is it part of what you look at too? Oh yeah, for sure. Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. So the, the leads as well as the whatever, if, the, if they yeah. started doing, if they started doing other types of analytics aside from leads. Oh, I don't know what else they would do at that point if they haven't been using demand gen. So it would just be lead gen at that point. Yes. So I take that ICP report and I kind of look at everything else that they've been doing. I get a better understanding on what KPIs are important to them. What do they measure as success, right? What are some of the customers saying of why they are staying with them, why they bought with them? And then I better understand what they've done, what's been working, what's not working. Has LinkedIn failed for you? Why did it fail? What approach did you take? And then I start looking at what do you have in pipeline? What are you looking to actually close? What's it like a low hanging fruit there? Are we right on the money in terms of being able to land that? Do you need some additional resources? So we look at kind of accelerating what's in pipe right now. And then we take that ICP for a go-to-market strategy to kind of fuel that momentum that way. And then we just continue growing that even further. Yeah, it's it sounds complex, but I think it's part of it. It would just be hiring you to trust you that's like, okay, just let you take the reins. <laughs> like that would be my attitude. It's like, all right, you just take this information and do your magic kind of thing. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know, especially in the B2B space about demand gen that maybe something, uh, a misunderstanding that people have about it or something, uh, objections you hear? It's never too late to get started. It's never too late to try. Um, uh, a lot of companies that I work with specifically are startups to where they've never had marketing before, but they want to start it with demand gen. Other okay. companies are like, I've been doing lead gen for the last 10 years. Why do I need a change? So it doesn't really matter where you are in your, your kind of your company growth and like your series funding. As long as you're ready for that change, like there's always a way to improve. And so looking for those opportunities, um, those short wins and long-term uh, goals that can be the path for success for transitioning over to demand gen. Do you find it more dramatic when you have a company that's been doing something for a long time and then they get you on board and it's like, wow. Cause I always like that before and after picture, like if you're with a startup, you know, they don't know where they, where they're starting. Right. Cause I've worked with companies yeah. like that too. It's like, I don't have any analytics. I don't have any, it's like, okay. You know, it's a little harder to say, well, look, <laughs> do you find that same thing? Like it's, it's better to have like some kind of numbers to start. 
or does it matter? I actually prefer no numbers um, really? because the biggest challenge that I run up against with lead gen, if I'm asking for that mindset shift, is that we're so used to doing it this way. This has worked before. I need this immediately. I need this now, 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 to where you're not even given like the room to breathe for a demand gen strategy. Okay. It's always, yeah. you know, we need this right now. We need this like, you know, top of funnel, like lead gen initiative. We got this one report, gate it really quickly. We're behind on our leads. And so it's really challenging to come in and say, we're going to sh- like, trust me uh, if they're doing the lead gen model they've been doing for like the last 10 years or more. And then to come in and say, now we're going to do demand gen. It's, it's a very, very tough sell. So for me, I prefer somebody who has never done it before because I can kind of set the bar. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> on what they can that expect going forward. Yeah. Cause otherwise they have to unlearn what they've been doing in- yeah. instead of, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess if they're open to it though, if you have somebody that says, you know, we're, we're ready for this change and they, they let you take the lead, then it wouldn't be that you wouldn't have those problems. Right. Ideally they're still conditioned to, which is what I find. Um, So it's still having those like educating conversations on here's why we're doing it. Here's why we're doing it. Like just kind of massaging it a little bit more because they could trust me. Yeah. But they could still run into like the hesitations of like, are we seeing this fast enough? Or because they're just not used to it. They've never done it before. They don't know what to expect. So right, yeah. yeah. And so they're they're kind of gauging their success or by their old standards when it's a whole different ball game. So exactly. Okay, awesome. Well, this has been super interesting. Um, what where can people find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn at Janelle Amos, or you can go directly to my website, which is elevate-growth.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for your time. It's been awesome. And I certainly, for one, understand a lot better than I did before. I appreciate it. No, the pleasure is all mine, Linda. Thank you so much. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com and we'll talk to you soon.